Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Hey folks, CJ Grimm here from Poking Dead Things. It's a hard job doing what we do, and it can get kind of gross. We know that you work hard too, so I'm here to tell you that at the end of a hard day, nothing beats a hot bath and a cold beer. So treat yourself right, head to Twisted Willow Soap Company, and indulge in a bath bomb with your favorite six-pack. Remember, the only girly thing about a bath bomb are the sounds you're going to make in excitement. Twisted Willow Soap Company. Body. Mind. Soul. The history of Christianity shows that orthodox objections to syncretism have less to do with the purity of faith and more with who has the right to determine what is to be considered normative and official. Welcome to Syncretism, the 78th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century theologian Ada Maria Izazi Diaz. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And that is a fabulous quote. I thought so, too. Mm-hmm. I, wow. I'm amazed that you could say her name because it is very, it's very long, very long. Yes. But no, that's a beautiful, beautiful quote. Okay. So let's start with our housekeeping. Oh, yeah. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Like all of our patrons. Because it is actually the first February. Of the month. First of the month. And it's actually yes, in bulk and Lunasad, depending on where you right. live. As, right. Yeah. As we record here. <laughs> all right. So we have 22 kittens. 22? Holy yeah. crap. We love you, kittens. Yeah. So our cats are... Amber Deathus, Amy Slows, Beehive Coven, Cheryl McGuire, Christy Claxon, Cindy Barrick, Emma Talasavari, Gary Bearstorm, Jasmine Ray Bell, Megan Sokolo, Michelle Kokolek Burkett, Rebecca Hillman, Sekalus, Sokora, Tanya Allen, and Zacchaeus. Thank you, cats. We love you. We do. Our hunters are. All right. <clears throat> All right. Settle in. All right. Settle in. Set back. Get your drinks. Alec. Alyssa Addy. Blondie. Briar Aldridge, Charles Howison, Delilah Darge, Darby Lockridge, Elfwart, Emma Mead, Felicia Hudson, Finn Odinson, Gemma Atkinson, Jeffrey Beauregard, Glows Softly, Heather Cartwright, Henry Wodehouse, Ivy Montgomery, Ivy Davis, Yanni, Jax, Jen, Jessica Helmer, Jessica Jones, Juniper Shadowcat, Katie Goodmote, Kimberly Lockabee, Kitty Chat 47, Laudine, Lee Lynn, Lorelai, Lunara Oakleaf, Meredith Kenton, Misha Magdalene, Nadia Ratchford, Nicodemus Tibbetts, Alden Crow, Pablo B. Fordor, Ray Lothrop, Rana, Sarah Parkinson, Sarah LePage, Sarenth Odinson, Shannon Bednar, Stacy Delora, Stephanie Edwards, Stevie Thompson, Squeaky, The Pirate Cove, The Sugar Maple Seder, Usha Ursa, Victoria Selmez, and Yukari Lunara. First wow. of all, holy shit. We love you, Hunters. You <laughs> know Ron, that. As Rana says, damn. Damn. <laughs> Second of all, y'all have great names. You do. <laughs> we love the Hunters' names. Those are very cool. Very cool. Our leopards are Akaneko 13 and Foxchild. We love you, leopards. Yes. Our tigers are our Darren Summit, Crystal of Apothecary Tees, Allura Driver, Misha Lutz, Nick's Fallen Leaf, Silken Fern, and Tree Wizard Creation. We love you, tigers. Our panthers are QQAN. Woo! QQ, we love our panther. Mm-hmm. Our jaguars are Amanda Hicks, Justin Stanage, Kirsten Ray, and Bill L. Thank you, Jaguars. And our lion is Leanne of Twisted Willow Soap Company. We Heck love yeah. you, lion. Yes, and that's the ad you hear at the beginning that's of right. the podcast episode. now. Yep, yep. That's right. Of every episode. And, of course, we love all of our listeners, mm-hmm. and we just give a special thanks to all of those who are basically supporting us through Patreon, mm-hmm. and we appreciate everything that you do for us. Nani says, small confession, I still get a rush out of hearing my name. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's the point of reading your yep. names, yep. because you guys are important to and, this podcast. Hold on. And I remembered Squeaky. You did. You yes. did remember I'm Squeaky. I'm proud of you. Gwen will be at PantheaCon. Mm-hmm. Yes, I leave on the 13th. I'm In so excited. San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. I will be leaving on the 13th. <laughs> to, to go there. To go there and returning on the 18th. There we go. 
The actual Pantheacon event. event is the 14th through the 17th. Yeah. There you go. Of February. All right. So Gwen gets back on the 18th, flies in, and on the 19th, we leave, right. we leave to go to convocation in Detroit. So I will be sleeping. She will be home long enough to sleep. I'll be home long enough to do laundry uh-huh. and, and to sleep and then, and then get, get in the car, car and, to and then some more. to sleep some more. And then as soon as we get back, mm-hmm. we will need to move. We're moving about 45 minutes east of where we live now. Yep. Uh, closer to Detroit. We'll actually be in Kalamazoo. Yeah, Michigan. we'll be in, in kind of the middle of Michigan. Right. <laughs> Instead yes, of yes. one side. We will be Michigan. 140 miles from Detroit and 140 miles from Chicago. Yeah. Which will be cool. So we'll be right in between those two major cities. Mm-hmm. Yep. In a smaller up-and-coming city. Right. That's right. <laughs> a large town doing its very best to become a city. That's right. <laughs> well, we saw the place that we're moving to today, and it's yep. wonderful, and yeah. we're very, very excited. Yes. Yep. So at some have... point here, in a month or two, the acoustics of the podcast will change, because we'll be in a different room again. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> it's, it's the little it things. It's the little right, things. Yep. It's the little things. I think that's all our housekeeping? I think so. So, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think Now, I do know, just to like go way far ahead into the future, mm-hmm. I have already had contact from a group from Vermont oh. and a group from Canada and a couple of people from here in Michigan who are coming to Michigan Pagan Fest. It's mm-hmm. going to be a pride gathering. A pride, yeah. pride MPF. A pride <laughs> MPF. So what we're doing at Convocation is we will be actually having a night that is just a three-pack gathering yeah. in one of the rooms there. We'll sit around and we'll just chat with everybody who's interested who's in it, who's three-pack able to or who, yep. is, who is a listener. But we will do the same thing at at MPF. MPF. Mm-hmm. So anyway. But that's not now, until June. That's not but, until but, here, June. but here's the deal. That's four months from now. So anybody in the Pride who's interested in coming to see us live, we will be at Michigan Pagan Fest. We'll actually be broadcasting live mm-hmm. on YouTube from there like we did last year. Yep. Plan now. You have four months to, to get, get into, your shit together. To, to either get... <laughs> A camping space. Yep. Or to or get hotel. a hotel room. Yep. There is a hotel very, very nearby, which is yep. where we'll be staying. Yep. Yes, yep. exactly. So, okay. So we're going to be talking about syncretism mm-hmm. today. Before recording started, Mother Multiverse was on briefly and asked what we were talking about. And I said syncretism. And she said, that's a big word. It is a big <laughs> yes, word. Yeah. And it is. So I'm going to define it now. It's also a big topic, really. Yes. Yeah. So syncretism, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, mm-hmm. is the fusion of diverse religious beliefs and practices. That's right. Which is pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah. It is actually. Yep. It, is, it is actually pretty straightforward. I think where the where the issue comes in is when you're dealing with syncretism, you especially when spiritual paths and religion mm-hmm. and things like that, you run the risk of appropriation if you are not careful. But you also run the risk of pissing some people off. Yeah. Right, yeah. There are definitely some schools of thought that do not like syncretism. That's right. As a matter of fact, the, the, the quote that you yes, read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and some of that comes down to dogma, and yeah. some of that comes down to just sort of authoritarianism, and authoritarian control, yeah, kind and gatekeeping of. kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. But something that I think is really interesting about syncretism is that in the ancient world, it was very, very common. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. The Romans were so. huge it wasn't, on syncretism. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> the, and there were some cultures where it was done in a semi or organized way, like Mm -hmm. Religio Romana. Right. But a lot of the times it was just, I mean, people didn't treat religion the same way in the ancient world that we do now. Right. Where there's like this distinct separation between your culture, your work, and your religion. Religion, yeah. Right? They were all just sort of one thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Although I think it also depends on the culture, because I remember many a time reading the Bible where the Hebrews were colluding with other deities and things like that, and their priesthood would get, and their kings and everything would get all up in arms, because they were, in in effect, there was syncretism going on between their monotheistic religion and the religion's of the surrounding tribes when they would, like, marry into and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that's because that's basically how everyone did things back in the day. I know. And, and Judaism was, like, trying to change To that. do a separate right. thing. <laughs> to yeah. do a different thing. Syncretism was very, very common back in the day, mm-hmm. and appropriation 
which is a, a topic we talk about a lot now, yes. is a postmodern concept, right? Yeah. Like they didn't have a concept of appropriation no. at the time. No. In the past. No. In the olden days. In the olden days. Ancient days. Yes. Yeah. So appropriation is a really, really new concept. Yeah. It runs up against syncretism. Often. Often. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it necessarily needs to. I think there are just some basic guidelines to follow. Right? Sure, yeah. So, like, yeah. there are three basic types of religious and cultural practices, right? There are closed religions. Yep. There are open religions. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there are invited religions. Yep. Right? So, an open religion is anyone can can be involved. Right. right. A closed religion is only specific people can be involved. Sure. Mm-hmm. An invitational religion is mostly closed. It's semi-closed, but you can be invited into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would be like Haitian Voodoo mm-hmm. is very much a you have to be invited it's, yeah, in. It's semi-closed. Right. It's semi-closed. So you can join Voodoo, mm-hmm. but you have to go to one of the priests. I can't remember the name specifically of mm-hmm. the Voodoo priests, but... You have to go to one of the priests, and they will consult the law, I think. Yep. And if they don't get a positive response back from the law about your initiation, you don't get to join. Right. Doesn't matter how interested you are. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So interestingly, I'm currently watching a television show called Cloak and Dagger. It's a marvel, but it's based in New Orleans, and there's a huge Voodoo presence within Uh it. It's actually So they talk about the Lua, and they... They, yeah, so it's really, it's pretty cool. Gentry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, as far as I can tell, it's fairly accurate. Right. Which you don't get in a lot of these television no, shows. No, in particular gets yeah. really badly handled. Interestingly, they're doing the same thing on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And it seems like in the last couple of years, Budon is at least getting more of a, of a nod. Like, as more than just the bad religion. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which is good to see. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's very good. But I do think it's important to remember that it is, depending on what time Right. It's a, it's a it semi-closed is. It is a yeah. tradition, tradition where you have to be initiated and interest is not enough to earn initiation. Right. Okay, so question. Okay. Christianity. So Christianity is a open, revealed religion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a revealed religion is one where, like, all the sacred texts are available. To everybody. Mm-hmm. To right. everyone. And you can just... Do it yourself, basically. Okay. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, you can, but then you've got always multiple upon right. multiple <laughs> denominations who are saying no, no, come you to us. To, as you as have teachers. to come to yeah. us as teachers That's and right. do because it because they want way. tithes. That's <laughs> <laughs> part of it. Rana says appro- about, about appropriation. appropriation. It's a new concept, but I would argue that it's been happening forever. We just have the label for it now. This is what I'm saying. Yes. People have been borrowing from each other's mm-hmm. cultures and traditions forever. Mm-hmm. Now we regard that as a bad thing. Yeah. In the past, not so much. I'm not saying that one of those views is better or worse than the other. I'm just saying, like, this is a new concept. The conception of appropriation as a colonizing mm-hmm. effect mm-hmm. is a new concept. Yeah. Not that it hasn't happened before. Right. But that now we have language to describe it and mm-hmm. thus discuss it. Yeah. I think it's important, though, like you were saying, to to make these distinctions um, right. so about the, the, the open, the closed, the semi-closed. Right. And know what it is that the religion that you're interested in or the spiritual path or tradition, know what it is. Take so, the time to study it before you attempt to join or become a part of that tradition. So what I would say about the intersection of syncretism and appropriation mm-hmm. is it is 100% okay to syncretize open religions because mm-hmm. they're kind of designed for that. It might be okay to syncretize with an invite a semi-closed invited religion to which you have been invited. Mm-hmm. It's Almost certainly not okay to syncretize with a closed religion mm-hmm. from outside the closed religion. Right, now, outside. inside the closed tradition, it's probably up to you whether you want to syncretize from other traditions, mm-hmm. from other open and semi-closed traditions mm-hmm. to which you've been invited. Mm-hmm. But if you're not part of a closed tradition, because of the conversation we're having about appropriation now, because of our evolving understanding of that 
as a colonizing effect, it is not appropriate to syncretize elements from closed traditions into yours if you are not part of that closed tradition. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, though, we do have to to raise the question because, like, okay, when I began my journey as a witch, Yeon, like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I started out as a Wiccan, and at that time, I was what was called an eclectic Wiccan, right. and it was actually considered a tradition right. with it within mm-hmm. Wicca. I don't know if it is any longer, but right. but at the time, at the time, Wicca was eclectic Wicca was considered a tradition, and eclectic Wicca would borrow from other traditions within Wicca. Now, I think there's an interesting, there's a quality that eclectic Wicca has mm-hmm. that I think distinguishes it somewhat from regular syncretization. Mm-hmm. Where the goal of regular, of, of syncretization is to sort of fuse these disparate components mm-hmm. into one whole. Right. Whereas eclecticism, from my observation, mm-hmm. seems like it's taking these disparate elements and preserving them as disparate elements. Rather than making a soup, you're making a salad, right? Like, mm-hmm. you keep all these pieces, they're still individual pieces, right? Like, right. you can still pick out the spinach and the carrots and the radish and whatever. Right. You haven't made it into, like, a new whole thing. Right. Where And I think that is what Eclectic Wicca either was doing or attempted to do. Maybe it still does. I do believe, however though that because I transitioned from Wicca to traditional witchcraft than to Christian witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Christian witchcraft is, is syncretization. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And you've got people on both sides of the fence of to whether it is an appropriate thing to do or not. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you can syncretize and I become a Christian witch. I think you can. Because Christianity is an open religion. It has no barriers for entry. Mm-hmm. Except that it has a revealed scripture that scripture says you cannot practice witchcraft. You're essentially, you have to ignore what that but scripture that's says fine. in order to do. Oh, I'm not arguing that. No, no. What I'm saying is that doesn't make it closed in any way. Like, true. And open, like the fact that the scripture has this specific Mm -hmm. element in it doesn't close the religion. The only qualifications for closed versus open are who's allowed to join and everyone is allowed to join Christianity. True. I guess it comes down to how you practice your belief system or whatever because there there are Christians who will have a hairy fit if someone is practicing witchcraft in their religion. I'm not interested in people's individual gatekeeping. I'm I'm interested in like societal. Yeah. But there's also (laughs) there's also witches and Wiccans who get upset when people who are Christians are practicing Wicca or witchcraft and call Again. themselves Christian Wiccas, Christian witches. I'm not interested in people's individual gatekeeping. <laughs> and I agree with you. I was at one time a Christian witch. Right. I support those who are Christopagans, Christian witches, Christian Wiccans, however they want to focus their craft. Owen says, people ignore parts of the Bible all the time. Why not ignore that part? That's the truth. And Rabbit says, Christianity has a history of mysticism, which it does. Yes. It does. They don't like to believe that is true. (laughs) (laughs) They like to kind of whitewash. The non-mystic Christians pretend the the mystic Christians don't exist. Well, actually, they like to say, and it depends on which which denomination you're talking about, but they like to say that that time period is over, Mm -hmm. and now it is just you have the Bible. (laughs) This is the other thing with Christianity. There's a bajillion denominations of that. Yes. I know. So you can't say that, oh, this particular denomination says it's like yeah. if if one denomination of Christianity is like, it's a closed religion. No, maybe that denomination's closed, but the whole religion sure ain't. Yeah. <laughs> but that is why I brought up Christian witchcraft or Christo paganism mm-hmm. as a, a prime example of syncretization. Yeah, because they are taking pieces of the Christian religion and just smooshing them them into a mystical path. And that mystical path is whatever form they choose to take it, whether it's traditional witchcraft or Wicca or some other form of paganism. Mm -hmm. They are bringing those elements together to create their own spiritual path. And that is what I did as a Christian witch. That's what I did as an eclectic Wiccan as well. Well, and we've talked about this before when we've done debunking on holidays and stuff. That's how a lot of our holiday traditions came about right yeah is the syncretizing between incoming christianity and pre-existing traditions Paganism. well here yeah. we are yeah. we are celebrating today is imbolc right which is a day that honors the goddess brigid mm-hmm. 
But Candlemas is a, about celebrating Saint Brigid. Yeah. It is. And that is a syncretization. A syncretization between, of the goddess. Between, exactly. Into the, yep. the Catholic saint. Yep. And I was reading a really interesting article about how, you know, everybody's, her symbol is the, the Brigid's Cross. Brigid's Cross. Yep. And there are theories apparently among historians and anthropologists who say that actually was probably or initially a symbol of the ancient goddess and it was probably a flaming wheel. Mm. Oh, gotcha. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. And then it, it was syncretized yep. into the Christian belief system right. for St. Bridget, and it became a cross, quote-unquote. Right. Syncretism is super, super common historically, which is why I find it super interesting that Reconstructionists hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reconstructionists hate syncretism? Oh, they oh, yeah. super do. Yeah. <laughs> they really, really do. They, it really gets in their craw. But I think it's almost necessary, with especially with reconstructed religions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because we are missing parts. pieces. <laughs> yeah. We're missing whole chunks of the context and the religious architecture and the tools that you need to practice a functional religion, right? Right. And the best way to fill those in, or at least as far as I'm concerned, the way that Reconstructionists should super embrace, because it's the most historically accurate method, is to go to neighboring religions Mm -hmm. that are open and see the parallels, right? See the the points where where there are closest. Plausible connections, sure. right? And borrow those things and refit them for the reconstructed religion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And just sort of fill in the gaps sure. with yep. the stuff that still exists from neighboring cultures. Right. Think- Reconstructionists hate this so much, <laughs> and it baffles me because that's exactly what our ancestors would have been telling us to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rana is making a, is saying, how can you reconstruct something that existed before written language without, without borrowing? borrowing? Yeah. I, I don't know that you could. Yeah. And the only other way to fill in those pieces, right, that you can very easily and very plausible, well, not easily, but very plausibly fill in by syncretizing mm-hmm. with the existing pieces of neighboring religions and cultures is making up new stuff right. from whole cloth. Yep. Which, I mean, you could argue our ancestors did that at mm-hmm. one stage right. way back in the way back. Mm-hmm. But why reinvent the wheel when your neighbors still know what they're doing? Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I, it just feels to me like a waste of time. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very pro-syncretization in general. Well, you are a syncretic heathen. Yeah. That's, that's why I describe, my, I describe myself as a syncretic heathen. So that Reconstructionists know ahead of time. <laughs> so that when I say something and they're like, that's not how the text said, I can, you know, they can reread that title, Syncretic Heathen, and be like, ah, she got it from someone else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes, well, it is. And we're fully on board with, like, UPG. Yeah. And with UPG that's been verified. 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 Yeah. Verified. So, verified. Yeah. Because we're on board with those kind of things, I mean, basically, we're syncretizing, in some cases, other people's beliefs into our own. Right? UP, so. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, so there is actually, so syncretizing is usually talked about as like a, like a, on like a cultural level. Mm-hmm. But there's an argument to be made that, yeah, verified personal gnosis is a process of syncretization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's taking someone else's religious experience, comparing it against your own and those of your peers. Right. Coming to a kind of consensus about it and folding it in. Right. And we've talked about how that has come out for Ostara and and mm-hmm. Estra, yeah. the, the goddess, the spring goddess. Basically everything about Estra is either syncretization mm-hmm. or, or UPG or both. Yes, because <laughs> we only have one actual reference about her, and it was a very short reference from the Venerable Bee. Mm-hmm. But people have embraced and recreated or brought together all these different ideas and understandings and personal experiences mm-hmm. to create and, and what was going on in the culture around them and brought it together to create what we now know as the symbology of Ostara and the goddess Estra. Rana says, I think my Native American roots get all perturbed at the concept of syncreta, blah, 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 fuck spelling. It is not bad, but it can be dangerous because it's a thin line between that hard-to-spell word and appropriation. I get the difference, but it's hard to swallow sometimes. This is where you come back to closed, open, semi-closed. Right. Native traditions are closed, shouldn't be using anything from them. Right. In your syncretizing. And, and, really, and e- even and, like us, so, so we don't say 
Smudge. Be- yeah, smudge. Because that's a specific ritual. It means Correct. a specific thing. Specific and that's not what I'm doing when I just burn mugwort, right? That's I'm right. not smudging, I'm smoking. I understand that concern. I think the problem is that a lot of people claim to be syncretizing when they are appropriating. Yeah. And they are syncretizing, they're just doing it the yeah. wrong way. Exactly. They're doing it in a non-ethical way. Mm-hmm. So and ethical think- syncretization is not appropriative. Right. Yeah. Right? Non-appropriate syncretization is the only ethical synchronization. Right. That's right. And I think unfortunately elders who got us who got modern paganism and witchcraft and, and all mm-hmm. these different traditions started, they borrowed from a lot from of... From every source. From right. every source that they right. had without I think... Thinking and in part that. Really thinking about the, the cultural sensitivity that we now right. understand. And in right. part that's because appropriation as a concept wasn't it, it, really around exactly. at the time. And in part that's because colonizer mindset Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> um, it just is. And so this is an important thing. A lot of the things we take for granted now as just being part of pagan culture or New Age culture or stuff like that. Right. Their roots are appropriative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Spirit animals. Yeah. Just because it's like commonly accepted now doesn't mean... It's not appropriation. Right. This is why I don't use chakra systems. Mm-hmm. I don't use spirit animals. Mm-hmm. I don't say smudge. All this stuff that I've been told goes back to a closed tradition I don't interact with. And I don't want other people to interact with them either unless they've been invited into those right. systems. Yep. And part of it is that sometimes back in the day, in the early days of paganism, people were invited into semi-closed traditions, Mm -hmm. learned things, and then published them without saying, like, these are not for you, these are closed traditions. And so they got really widespread, and now everybody knows these things or thinks they know these things. They know these watered-down, disconnected versions of these Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to use them in the context they were originally designed for, right? right? Like karma, Nobody understands karma. No. Mm-mm. Nobody because understands karma. It's specific to Hinduism. It's specific to Hinduism. It doesn't mean what you think it means. Someday we'll do an episode about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, that's a misappropriated, mm-hmm. misapplied concept. Right. That then we water down further into shit like the threefold law. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of work that has to be done in ethical syncretism. That's yeah. true. That's true. The first step is to look at all the stuff you think you know and figure out where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And if it comes from a closed tradition, stop using it. Mm-hmm. So I think I just came up with the book you're writing. Yeah, probably. Ethical syncretism. Ethical syncretism. Now, Rana is asking a good question about meditation. Is Where does meditation come from? Is it from strictly from Hinduism? Or is it, I think meditation is not strictly from one specific closed system, but I could be wrong about that. Y'all have to look it up. To my knowledge, meditation as a practice is not exclusive to a a specific closed tradition. Buddhism is not a closed tradition. Yeah, Buddhism is an open tradition. Tradition. It is an open tradition, um, and they they practice meditation. They practice so. meditation. Yeah, so if you're doing Buddhist meditation, you're doing okay, probably. Rana says, it's just hard to know where to draw the line. I always tell people to do what feels ethical and right to mm-hmm. themselves. That's one way to look at it. I just encourage people to re-examine what feels ethical mm-hmm. and right to them, mm-hmm. because ethical and right... Mm-hmm does not usually equate to comfortable and familiar. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you use chakras in your work a lot, I don't know the cultural context for chakras, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable using them. If you know the cultural context for chakras and you know that your understanding of it came from an open tradition, fine. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and use them. But if you don't know where it came from, like if you got all your information on chakras from a New Age book one time, or like an eclectic Wiccan teacher, mm-hmm. or whatever, like if you can't figure trace out, if you can't trace that back to where that came from, if yeah. you don't know where that comes from, if you don't understand the actual roots of the thing, mm-hmm. really examine 
whether it is appropriate for you to continue using this. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why I, I as well don't use spirit animals yeah. in my work. That just feels uncomfortable to me yeah. because it is so closely tied to Native, to, American. To Native yep. religions. Yep. 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 And, and so that is uncomfortable for me. I, you know, I work with the spirits that resonate with me. And for me, that's work plant. With- that's with, plant spirits well, and, I'll work and nature with, spirits. I'll work with animal spirits, yes. not spirit animals. Yes, exactly. I, and there are some, like, I, I really do feel connected to certain kinds of birds and things like that. So I would work with the a bird spirit, mm-hmm. if you will. Yep. But not in this concept of... Of, right, like, the bird is my spirit animal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or exactly. totem. Or yeah, totem. yeah, yeah. Things yeah. Like that. And I find that very difficult because it's so... It's permeated. so ingrained, yeah, in paganism, mm-hmm. in modern paganism. It's just become, like, accepted that, oh, well, we stole these things a million mm-hmm. years ago, so they're ours now. They're not. They're yeah. not ours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, for instance, we're going to be reviewing a book tonight, but one of the concepts that is talked about in the book is the three realms of the soul or the three divisions of the soul. Mm -hmm. That's a concept that is actually, he takes it, I think, from the Greek understanding, comes from a more open tradition. Heathenry breaks the soul into like five or seven different parts. So I I think that is different, but it's no, again, it's knowing where it came from. And in the Greek understanding of the soul, there was the the lower, the middle, and the upper worlds. And that had to do with the underworld, right. earthly and realm, then you're and looking the heavens. At, you're looking at your id, your ego, your exactly, super ego. exactly. So a lot of sometimes these things are intuitive in the human experience, and sometimes they're not, and you have to know what's where the difference lies. Rana says, "I have a spirit animal, the red-tailed hawk. It's a very meaningful relationship. I'm Native American, though, so I don't feel inappropriate." And he was brought to me by an ancestor, so there's that. Exactly. Yeah, Rana, of course it's okay for you to have a spirit animal. You're, You're Native, Native American. American. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be appropriate for me, a white person, to, to have a spirit animal. At least that's how we approach but I'm, it. But I'm very glad that you have that spirit relationship. Yeah. That sounds very cool. It's like, for instance, I'm very uncomfortable with some modern appropriation, if you will, or some modern applications of shamanic yeah. types of work. Yep. Yeah, a yeah. lot of the stuff from court shamanism is uncomfortable for me yeah, for same. appropriation reasons. Yeah. And this is why I look to Jim, Two Snakes right. and, um, you and know, even Ken Day. And mm-hmm. Ken Both Day, of which have been invited in they've and been invited in. offered the opportunity to teach Yeah, others. exactly. So what if the greatest tabletop hero you ever play turns out to be yourself? In Vector, Attack of the Meta Pirates, move beyond imagination as Captain Vector and his Meta Pirates do battle from game world to world. Follow players from setting to setting in an attempt to enter the real world. Will you help Captain Vector in his Pinocchio-like quest to enter the real world? Or stop him from becoming a living nightmare? Ode would help him. Absolutely. <laughs> Only you can decide. Look up Vector, Attack of the Meta Pirates on Facebook. <laughs> As previously discussed, I am pro-Captain Vector. <laughs> I would like to try it both ways and see what happens. Right. <laughs> We'll have two simultaneous yes, parallel right. universes running. That's right. And they'll probably at some point infect each other. There's also <laughs> a free holiday adventure on Drive Through RPG, and we'll be releasing a Valentine's adventure soon. Hell yes. Very cool. So Vector. Attack, Attack of, of the, the Meta Pirates. Go check it out. <laughs> it's time for reviews. The yeah. way he warmed up to that, I was afraid it was going to be like really loud. I know. So was I. He really wound up for that one. He but did. then it was just lovely. It was lovely. <laughs> so, 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 then it was just lovely. <laughs> so we are reviewing today the book Psychic Witch by Matt Oren. That's right. Mm-hmm. It will be out February 8th. Yes. And currently on Amazon, you can get the Kindle edition for $10.99 on pre-order. Yes. And I or highly... the paperback at $14.62. It's mm-hmm. on sale from the $18.99 normal price. And I highly, highly recommend you get this book. <laughs> it's a good book, It's y'all. a good yeah. book. Good job, Matt. We love it. It's he did, awesome. He did good job. Yeah. This That's is a right. great book. Great book. I, I have to say I've read quite a few books on uh, psychic, psychic development. Yeah. And this one is laid out one. He's a very, very easy reader. Yeah, very easy to read. Very and he's talking about science concepts, but he's doing it in a very accessible way. It is very accessible, but he also lays it out very logically. Mm-hmm. And he builds it from the very beginning steps on up mm-hmm. to 
help you become a better psychic and a better witch as far as utilizing the, the power and the skills that you have within yourself. And one of the things that Matt makes very clear from the very beginning is he believes everyone, and I agree with him, everyone has psychic ability. It just depends on what type of ability you have and what you do with it. Right. This is the first book about psychic development I've ever read because I've read a couple. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the first one I've ever read that has made me believe I could honestly learn to do some of this. Yes. yes. And that's, it's, it's really true because he Because usually it. I read these books and I'm like, mm, cute, but no, that's not going to happen. I'm not psychic. He, but I read this and I'm like, no, I could learn this. Well, part of it is because he does take a scientific approach. Mm-hmm. He, he helps you understand how the brain works for one thing. Right, yeah. And he talks about how to focus and tune into that part of the brain and the he mind. He talks about neuroplasticity which I'm very for. And the pineal gland and the third eye and how it's connected. And he has, I don't even know how many different exercises. There are multiple exercises per chapter. Oh, so many. This book is probably at least one third, maybe one half exercise. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly intensive as far as what you can apply to your own life. Yeah. And they start from super ultra simple. Mm Mm-hmm extraordinarily simple exercises. Like I've, like I said, I've read some of these books before and sometimes they're like, here's your beginner exercise. And I'm like, okay, well that's not very beginner. (laughs) I can't do any of that. But this one starts from like literally just counting. Mm -hmm. Focus on counting from 100 to zero. And every time you get distracted, start over Mm -hmm. and do that until you can count from 100 to zero three times in a row without getting distracted. And that is an exercise for training you to focus on one thing at a time. Exactly. He takes you step by step by step from very simple to more complex mm-hmm. to the point where you feel and you are a competent psychic witch. Witch. A competent psychic witch. Exactly. Because he doesn't, he's like, you. these are not separate things. No, for him, and I agree with him, honestly, that for him, being a psychic and being a witch, they're two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And you use the same power for both activities. <laughs> yeah, Squeaky says, oh God, my ADD brain is going to have problems. Yeah, I don't know how that would be with ADD, so if you would like to try it out, Squeaky, and get back to us, that would be mm-hmm. super cool. And Jeffrey says, I feel like I'd never stop questioning myself if I tried to develop psychic powers. Well, here's the thing. Matt addresses that in yes. this book with an exercise of imagination, mm-hmm. imagining yourself as a psychic. I won't give you the entire exercise. Right. You have to read it for yourself. But he also gives different affirmations that you say to mm-hmm. yourself every day. I am a psychic witch. And this is where he makes an excellent point about neuroplasticity. Yeah, because you tell this to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's you, you train your brain to believe something. To this believe way. that you are an excellent, accurate psychic witch Mm -hmm. and it's all part of the training and these are all this entire book is based on classes that Mm -hmm. he has been teaching for a number of years now that um, have helped a lot of people to reach their potential and matt is actually teaching at pentheacon yes he is i'm Um, so excited i hope i get to go to his class he will also be at the Austin Witch Fest oh, in yes. Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and Christians are actually already forming up to picket. I know they're trying to. They're protesting. <laughs> they're protesting. Well, it. that'll so, be fun, yeah. right? <laughs> it's going to be great. His book is great. It's really, really. It good, is you guys. really, really good. Again, it's easy to read and it's very, very comprehensive. And he talks about. There were things in there that I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I did that back in the day. But yeah, he's back in ex- your early training. In my early training, but he explains it in such a way that makes it feel fresh and new. Mm-hmm. So I, I love everything that he has put together in this book. Yep. I think it's very think- solid. All right, so time for the out of five, the stars. I give it five stars. I give it five. As do I. It's a great Holy book. Holy crap, is this two books <laughs> in a row? Is, yeah. mm-hmm. Very we're, strong book. We're reviewing it's, the good books now. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's, I just can't say that enough. It is very well written. It's a strong book, and it will help you become a psychic or a better psychic. Yes. And so I would suggest highly psychic getting witch. it. Right. I'm actually going to try it because even though I'm not a witch, 
I figured I could be a psychic druid. Right, so. yeah, there you exactly. go. Um, well, well, and a like lot you of said, I've, the same. I've my like whole life been like, I'm not a psychic. My mother is a psychic. I am not one. And I've read several of these psychic development books. Gwyn tried to teach me to do psychic stuff. And it's never taken before. I'm going to try it again with this book. I think I will get farther for once. And I think it's because Matt has broken it down into such bite-sized pieces yeah, it that are easy manageable. to understand, and it's manageable. Right. I think even with the part of my brain that's like, oh, no, I can't do this perfectly, therefore I can't do this at all, th- there's small enough, bite-sized enough, manageable enough chunks that I'll be able to trick that part of my brain into being like, no, you can do this, though. Exactly, exactly. I'm I'm very excited. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to do the exercises, because this is the other thing that Matt emphasizes in his book, is I think he calls it the having a childlike brain. Yeah. Where I, I'm in my vernacular, with, I would with say... fun and imagination. Yes, with fun and imagination. For me, I'd say having a teachable spirit. Mm-hmm. That that is a lifelong endeavor. thing. Endeavor yeah. is to be teachable. You never have all of the information. There's always something to learn. This is one of those books. It doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum yeah. of psychic witch. You can learn something from this yeah. book. Yeah. Uh, Rabbit d- says I'm so easily distracted. I've already forgotten what the book is called. It is psychic called Psychic Witch. <laughs> yes. Which I've been I've been saying for weeks is a slightly boring title, but you know what? It's easy to remember. So it's there's right. accurate. Yep. It's yeah. accurate because yep. that is what the book is about. There's no hidden agenda here. Yeah, it no, is about just what this book psychic is. witchcraft. That's it for the reviews. Very nice. Also lovely. Thanks. Very, very lovely. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So okay, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like talking about fun books. Yeah. I love when we get a book I like. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't always happen. No, nope. no, nope. and it's hard to tell. How, how was the fun. bibliography in this one for you? I didn't even check. Oh so wow, obsessed. the I book know. was so in depth that you didn't even check. Yeah, I didn't even check the bibliography. Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <It's a good> <laughs> <bibliography>. That's <laughs> I like, amazing. I like the book so much. I was like, no, I don't need. I don't need it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <How funny. sighs> right. well, there's just going to be somebody who listens to this later, whose name is Finn, uh-huh, who's yeah. not going to understand that statement at all. <laughs> Matt, you should consider yourself highly praised. Highly praised. Ode didn't give a shit about the bibliography. Yep. That says it all right the there. The book was good enough. I didn't care. That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about how we syncretize. Right. Yeah, yeah and so, I think that's a big thing. And, and and we do this on sort of two different levels because we all have individually syncretic mm-hmm. paths. Yes. And then as a family, we, we syncretize all together. three of those yes. together. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes, we do. When we do ritual together. Yeah. So I think for Odin and I both, mm-hmm. like we have to syncretize our because paths we're because we're reconstructing or reclaiming mm-hmm. or re whatever. Right. Um, religions that reviving. don't reviving that really don't have a ton of texts out there. Yeah. You have more texts in heathenry. Right. But they're still not about like how religion was practiced. Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. Than even I do in mine. Mm-hmm. So it's a very we have to do that or we wouldn't be doing anything. Exactly, we wouldn't be able to practice. Well, and some of the stuff that we do know how it was done, we can't do that way anymore. Right? Like we know animal sacrifices were part of bloats. Right, yep. But I don't have access to cows to slaughter, even if I knew how to do that correctly. Or right, if yeah. you wanted to. Right. You know, well, I, would, just I mean, I'm neutral about, like, I eat meat. So, right. like, if I knew how to slaughter a cow and I had access to cows and, like, I probably could do that, like, ethically. But I don't have access to cows or know how to slaughter one ethically right. and, and religiously appropriately. So that can't be part of my practice. Right, yeah. Right. So got to come up with something else. Right, right. Right, yeah, and, you know, the Celts, in really bad times, did human sacrifice, so did and that's they, yeah. really frowned so upon really now. So, so, <laughs> did, uh, yeah, so did the ancient heathens. Not yeah. going to yeah. be a thing, no. So, yeah, they just don't... We need different solutions. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you have to go with where you're at in your modern right. Right, yep. time. So, yeah, yeah, where we are, there's that's extent, not practice. Exactly, right. there's an extent to which syncretizing is also a process of modernizing. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right, because there are just some practices that cannot be 
brought in yeah. from can't the past. Be they yep. can't be replicated because right. they're just no longer appropriate. They're not for possible our... or they're not legal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or practically. Or practically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're just so, not, it's not part of our culture anymore. Right. Yep. Or our understanding. It's not like I can walk down to the sea or you can walk down to the sea and commune with and commune. Yeah, right. So like, and like I can't go to, like I can't go to the barrows of my ancestors. I don't know where the fuck they are. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like we moved. To right. another country. <laughs> many, many ages ago. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know where any of those people are buried. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so there's some of those kind of things um, where you have to kind of just mm-hmm. change it to fit yeah. or modernize it. And w- I think we all do that. I think even Gwen does that all, quite a bit in your practice, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Hecate. Well, yeah, because, I mean, one of the benefits of Hecate and witchcraft is that there is a lot of literature right. that describes... That's the advantage of the Hellenic tradition. The Hellenic tradition. Right. There is a lot of lit on that one. Right. They were very good record keepers. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and uh, so there is a, you know, there is an understanding of what Hecatean worship looked like. Right. However, I'm not about to go out and sacrifice a dog. Right. Right. For Hecate. And that was ritual sacrifice of, of animals mm-hmm. was part of worship for Hecate. But there are other things that we can bring into today's worship, which includes the dipnon, mm-hmm. which is taking food out to the crossroads on the dark moon right. and honoring her in that way. Mm-hmm. Right. There are other traditions that so, we do. So, so would you say that's not really a that's synchronizing probably, process? That's no, modernizing. That's, that's an emphasizing modernizing. of certain traditions over mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. What, if at all, mm-hmm. do you syncretize in your tradition? Well, see, that's the thing. is Because part of it is you come from an eclectic tradition. I do. Well, come. I'm going input here because mm-hmm. I know that like the Hakatean witchcraft that you practice mm-hmm. it would being brought by one person. Mm-hmm. Right, you know? so it has a lot of UPG. So it has a lot, a lot of UPG, UPG. Mm-hmm. right? But so, I'm also and, and VPG. Right. Well, but to be fair, I get my information from more than just one source. Right. Agreed. So my right. my practice, my personal practice, what I do in what I do in the coven that I'm a part of, which is an online coven, right? That is based on modern Hecatean witchcraft, which is based on one person's verified, gathered, verified personal, gnosis. personal gnosis accompanied by historical information, sure. right? Yeah. right? So. That's that's one of it. Right. Um, but the other part of, of what I bring into is from uh, a whole, is from a different path. It's from a different perspective, which is the covenant of Hecate. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, so you're sort of fusing two Hecatean traditions. I am. I'm, so you're, you're you're syncretizing. Sarita's. Right. Sarita de Estes and Cindy Uh, Brannan. Cindy Cindy Brannan. Yeah. Exactly. So for my personal, for my personal practice, I, I am taking two separate. I'm taking what I'm learning from Sarita and I'm taking what I'm learning from Cindy and melding Melding it it into my green witchcraft practice. Right. There's a syncretization. There are several layers. There are several layers there. And then I also have. I think it's fascinating that you're syncretizing two very similar Mm-hmm. traditions, right? Like two traditions that are intended to worship the same yeah. deity. Well, I think that's partly because some of what is part of modern Hecatean witchcraft through Cindy Brannan's work are, are things that I'm not necessarily comfortable with mm-hmm. or feel like is part of what I want to do as right. a witch. And that's that's something worth talking about. And I don't want to get too deep into Cindy Brandon's thing. Right. But you've talked to me about instances mm-hmm. uh, of work you've done with that coven mm-hmm. where other goddesses were brought in. Right. And that is a soft polytheist kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what I would say there is. And it's probably on both ends of that spectrum right. is they're both coming from a soft polytheist perspective and I'm more of a hard polytheist now. Right. Yeah, you started <laughs> as a very soft polytheist and you and ended, up, I've a hard ended up a hard polytheist, so I've had to work that out for myself and right. how I fit and, what they do into what I do. And I'm going to make a statement here that I don't intend to be taken as critical of soft polytheism. I think soft polytheism is a perfectly viable perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not the one that I have, which is why I want to be careful about how I phrase this. But going back to appropriation... <laughs> Right. If you are a soft polytheist and you are practicing in a way that allows you to perceive all deities as expressions of like one source, mm-hmm. you still need to only practice with the ones from open traditions. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still need to like 
I don't care if your perspective is that all deities, including those from closed traditions, belong are, are, are emanations of one source. Mm-hmm. The closed aspects mm-hmm. still belong to the closed tradition. Right. right. For instance, yep. I would not feel comfortable. Like I, I am a devotee of Brigid, right? right? Right. But I would not feel comfortable invoking Maman Brigitte. Right. Right. Brigitte, because <coughs> Maman Brigitte is part of the Loire. Right. Right. Yep. And that is not, that's a closed religion. Yep. That is how they understand. Right. Right. Her, right. So I would not, I would not reach out to Maman Brigitte. Right. I do reach out to Brigid. Right. right. And I would, that's another reason why I don't feel comfortable reaching out to St. Bridget. Right. Because she is part of a Catholic tradition. Right. Yep. And that, that I'm not comfortable with that. So there are people who celebrate Invoke. There are people who celebrate Candlemas. I do not celebrate Candlemas because mm-hmm. I'm not Catholic. Right. And I don't feel comfortable, even though a lot of those traditions and a lot of those, the imagery and even the celebration is melded mm-hmm. very between, similar. very yeah. similar between the yeah. two. For me, as a Brigid honoring witch, I am more comfortable going the direction of just honoring the ancient goddess. So Mother Multiverse asks, as a question, what should you do then if a deity from outside your tradition reaches out to you? What I would say is go to the community. Like if it's from a, if it's from a closed tradition, Mm -hmm. go to that community Mm -hmm. and express to them that you've been reached out to by this deity and ask for help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And find out what they say. And, uh, Rana is saying, I work with Isis, Freya, and Hecate. I got no issues. Same. I, as a hard mm-hmm. polytheist, I work with Brigid, Frigga, Navikaliach, yeah, and Yeah, I've never understood the concern about mixing pantheons. Like yeah, in general. I, I have right. no problem with mixing pantheons. But the, where the question comes in is if it's a closed religion. Right. right. Yeah. Don't mix closed pantheons with right. open ones. Right. right. Um, exactly. Unless you're part of that closed tradition. Right. If or you've gotten permission from exactly, somebody who right. is. Who exactly. is, yeah. Because cause, cause sometimes you can get permission from sure. a closed mm-hmm. tradition to interact with it. Yeah. In yeah. Either and not necessarily be a part of exactly. it, but interact with a particular In, right. in a specific or, way, or, yep, yep. right? But and, you can't get that permission until you ask, Yeah. right? You have to go and talk to a person who is involved in that closed tradition. Squeaky says, for sure, mixing pantheons is great, but I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe because a lot of my early reading was like, never do it! Yeah, a lot of... There was uh, a lot of concern about that. Yeah. In, in, especially in uh, my early readings as a, as a Wiccan tradition, yeah. as you didn't mix pantheons. And then Rana says, and makes a very good point, but the permission has to come from someone who can give right. permission, not from Joe Bob, who says he's all <laughs> up in the voodoo. Yeah. So we talked earlier about if you are trying to become initiated in voodoo, you have to go to one of the priests and they will consult mm-hmm. on whether you're allowed to get initiated. Right. You have to go to a specific person in that tradition Mm -hmm. to get permission to even begin the process of initiation. And then there's no guarantee you'll you'll go through it, right? You can't just go to a random practitioner and be like, hey, teach me voodoo. That's not how it works. And I think this is where it gets a little murky because, you know, you were talking about soft polytheism and hard polytheism. You know, the difference between the soft polytheist approach to working with multiple deities and pantheons and the hard polytheist approach to working with multiple deities from multiple mm-hmm. pantheons is that a soft polytheist sees all of those different deities as, as essentially, as one, essentially one source from coming from one source, right. one divine source. A hard polytheist sees them as all separate individual persons, all individual divine beings, all individual divine agency beings. and yep. perspectives this, and purpose. Like I said, I want to be clear. Soft polytheism is a perfectly yeah, valid position. Absolutely. You just got to do it ethically again. Yeah. 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 It comes down to being ethical in, in how you approach your path mm-hmm. right. and how you work with deities. All right. So now that we want to talk about how we syncretize. Yeah. Well, before we do that, I have something to read. Meet a friend at the Arfaleg. Our tiger, Michelle, invites you to her shop where she showcases her painted and carved sugar skull eggshells for the world to enjoy. Each piece is handcrafted and unique with a name and a style all its own and a desire to find a happy home with you. Every egg comes in a special box adorned with a note about the creation. Michelle has been sculpting these designs since 2015 and knows that you and your family and friends will love it. She also makes natural eggs, beautiful painted rockery, and jewelry to share. 
As well as the sugar skulls, Michelle has also designed an acorn egg, which just happens to be the most popular egg she makes, adorned with lentils, wood beads, hemp, or leather hangings. Visit the Artful Egg at theartfulegg.net. And we have an artful we egg. We have an artful egg. And we love it. It's and we love cute. it. And it was I given to us. It was given to us as a gift. <laughs> yep. It is a three-pack egg. It's excruciatingly cute. It is adorable. Yes. And it was made just for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it so actually she, has, like, all our little uh, It yeah. has our cats on yep. it. And it's just wonderful. I yeah. love it. It's adorable. Yep. It looks very cute And I, I say this every time, but it's so much sturdier than you think it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. It really is. It looks incredibly delicate. Mm-hmm. And it is, in a it way, does. it mm-hmm. is. You don't want to be rough with it. But she does beautiful works of art. So definitely check it out. And they make wonderful gifts because yeah. we certainly loved ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> all right. So we syncretize our rituals. Right. And we've actually done a syncretized ritual for a for group of people in public. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. We each individually have paths, paths that are syncretized to various levels. Mm-hmm. And then because we're a family and we're all solitaries who want to worship together, right. we have to figure out how to make that work. That's right. A, for a lot of the times, our baseline is ADF. Yeah. Our, yeah, our yeah, baseline I think, does yeah, we, tend to we, be ADF. It's the it's basis of it mm-hmm. is the ADF core ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's laid out really fucking well. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It has a really logical progression of elements. Yep. And it's easy to plug things in. Yeah. And, and I think that's because the ADF is syncretic. Right. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's... Hard the neutral. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So, so because they they allow anybody who is proto Indo European mm-hmm. religions into the ADF and can practice that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we often cut out a few pieces of the ADF yeah. ritual, yep. or we add a few pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we change the way that the pieces yeah. fit together. Yeah. Fit we together. Yeah. Around. We do them in yeah. different orders, or yeah. And there's something. There's and that's usually, why we don't call it an ADF. Yeah. Ritual. Exactly. <laughs> and there's usually something that like. But if you're if you're looking to do this kind of thing, I do recommend the ADF core or order ritual as a starting point. Yeah. That's yeah. where we start. There's also on the Three Pagans and a Cat, I think, group. Yeah. There yeah. is a file on there mm-hmm. that has a ritual creation worksheet. Yeah. Yes. Which we should use more because it's fascinating. It really is. It's got so much stuff on it that I don't think that about. I nev- that never occurs to mm-hmm. me yeah. when I'm designing a ritual. Yeah. I would like to say, I think that the, the thing that I've noticed as we've, you know, come together to mm-hmm. create a ritual that honors all three of our paths is that the first thing that we do, besides borrowing the, the ADF core order, just to right. give us a structure, right. is that we have looked for what is common between our, our three paths. Right. right. We've, and we found some significant commonalities yeah. and yep. we found points where like, no, we cannot make these things okay. mesh just, neatly. Right. No, yep. Exactly. And so we just, Sometimes we do them separately. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just do all these individual elements that are important to our paths mm-hmm. one at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. But even the one that we did where we did it for public, mm-hmm. it was less than an hour. Yep. Yeah. And and it was a lot of a lot of content. It was content. a lot, a lot of, stuff of stuff. And yeah. we had a lot of deities that we called because I called Hakati and mm-hmm. Brigid and Frigga. Right. right. The deity, especially with Hakati. I have to make sure that they're yeah. each Gwyn getting... Has, Gwyn has to call in Hakati some very specific mm-hmm. ritual procedures she has to go through. That's right. And they have to, and these things have to be done in a, so that she is honored properly. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same about Brigid and Frigga. But for Hakati, as far as invoking her, there are some specific things that I do. Right. And so we had to find spaces to do those things mm-hmm. in the ritual yep. where... It wouldn't, the, the, the biggest struggle, I think, with doing a big syncretic ritual like that, where mm-hmm. all three of our paths were present simultaneously, right. was finding ways to incorporate the separate elements like mm-hmm. that, like the stuff you had to do for Hakati, mm-hmm. giving it its due right. without bringing the whole ritual to a halt. Exactly. Right. And so we, we worked on this ritual a lot, actually. And, um, Yanni asked, can you make a blog post on that or do a podcast on that? I am now gonna suggest to you, you both. Uh-huh. That maybe we take that ritual we did uh-huh. and we walk through it on a podcast. I think that's okay. a great yeah, idea. Yeah, we can do that. So, we'll, make that so a podcast. We'll, do, yeah. we'll do a podcast episode sometime in the summer, probably, unless 
I rejigger the schedule, where we'll walk through the public ritual we put together. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what we did it for? Yeah, it was, it was Lunasad. It was Lunasad. Lunasad. Yeah. So, we'll, so maybe we'll do it near then, yeah, so that yeah, exactly people will get it. We'll up. we'll yeah. walk through the Lunasad ritual we put together and sort of pick it apart and explain to you guys what the process of designing that yep. was. Mm-hmm. Yep. But so we had to find ways, and that was probably the most challenging part of. Mm-hmm syncretizing a ritual yes. was finding ways to keep the energy up mm-hmm. without shortchanging anyone's responsibilities. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing that's helpful in this process for us is that I have a deity I was honoring who is from the Celtic Pantheon. Right. And I had a deity from, from the Norse. Yep. Right. So there was, there was a little overlap. bit of crossover. There was overlap yeah. and crossover. The only outlier was Hakati, right. who is Greek. Right. <laughs> um, but because, like, because Gwyn mm-hmm. honors Frigga differently than I do. Yes. We hailed Frigga twice. Yeah. Exactly yep. right. And then we actually opened it up to anybody who was there at right. the ritual. Who was present. To call, to, in their... to call in their gods as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And a few did. Not yeah. everybody. They felt, I, I think some of them were like, whoa, this is There's wild. A, yeah. We told everyone ahead of time. There be there, a party. There would be a participatory <laughs> element. <laughs> and then they got to the first participatory element and I think they were still surprised by it. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the thing is when we do a ritual, we want right. other people to feel like they're part of it as right. well. We don't want to be doing a ritual with an audience. Yeah, exactly. Right. We want to be doing a ritual with participants. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think that was the first, and that is the most important part of creating a syncretic right. ritual with multiple it's, deities it's, and paths is find commonalities. Right. Yeah. And then where there are just some irreducible differences, find ways to make enough space for each other. Exactly. Right. Yep. And have the respect to do that. Right. Yeah. Without getting right. up in arms about stuff. Be- right. Because, like, Gwyn's ritual preparations to invoke Hakati mm-hmm. take time. Mm-hmm. They cannot be skipped or rushed through. Mm-hmm. So we had to give that time to happen, but Carr and I couldn't be involved in that process. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had to find other things to do during that ritual time that we're not interfering with mm-hmm. Gwyn's ritual procedures. Yep. That's right. It was tricky. I think we we worked it out. But that's the most important thing, I would say, about syncretizing in a group like that when you're working with people from other paths mm-hmm. is everyone's path needs equal respect. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. And I think also there were some things that we had to bend on a little bit mm-hmm. on some things that maybe couldn't be included because for time's sake. Right. And they just weren't an like a, an essential part. Right. Right. Like Gwyn usually does the four elements. Mm-hmm. Car does land, land sea, sea, sky. And as a heathen, I'm, at least my particular <laughs> understanding, my brand of heathenry is neutral on that point. Like I could go either way. So I didn't have an investment in right. that, in that argument, but heathenry has more of a connection to the land, sea, sky concept than yep. it does to the four elements. So that was what we ended up compromising on. We ended up doing Lancy Sky mm-hmm. instead of the four elements. And for and for me, I was able to do that because of Hakati's association with those Exactly. Because those Hakati realms. is associated with those three elements, yeah. with those three realms spaces. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so she felt comfortable substituting in the realms for the elements. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there was a time where you did I think it was during the bloat portion mm-hmm. where a horn had to be blown. Yep. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I became the horn blower yep. for that. We also took offerings out to the outdwellers. The outdwellers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Yep. Which is a very much ADF thing of yep. let's keep the outdwellers, the people we don't want involved in. And so this will Jeffrey will regard this may answer help answer this. Jeffrey said if anyone was allowed to participate, was there no concern or issues of each other because of the different pantheons, the gods? Right. Was there there no concern of hailing gods from different pantheons that don't get along? Right. So, for starters, we did the outdwellers. Right. Which Mm -hmm. is uh, basically anyone who's explicitly uninvited gets an offering 
outside the ritual space. That's right. Half half in the beginning. And right. half at the end. And half at the end. And we did not skimp. We gave no, good chocolate we gave, and hot beer. We gave Belgian chocolate and really high quality beer. Yeah, that's right. Don't skimp on your Don't, on your offerings to no, the outdoors. No. If you want them to actually hold up their end of the bargain. That's right. <laughs> um, and the other thing is I felt we created a sacred space right. that was welcoming to all deities, but also it was a basically I felt like it was a sacred space that was a no argument here. Right, yeah. Right. And I felt like that And you can make those kind of provisos when you're establishing your sacred space. Exactly. Right. And I think because we had already established Hakati's place and right. Brigid's place and Frigga's and Kernunos and uh and the Dagda and Lou and and specifically Lou's party. Exactly. Right, yeah. And, and we so we had, said, hey guys, this is Lou's party. Right. Right. This yeah. is not the time to bring up personal drama. Yeah. <laughs> This is the time to celebrate Lou and Lou's stuff. Yep, right. Lou's exactly. business. And we started establishing that sacred space and invoking our gods first, the mm-hmm. gods that we work with and mm-hmm. have relationships with. Yep. And so they, and I felt like especially Hakati because mm-hmm. you invoked her first mm-hmm. and you go through all these ritual preparations. Mm-hmm. I very much felt like Hakati was kind of... She kept the peace. Yeah, she was kind of... Yeah. Keeping an eye on proceedings. Yeah. yeah. She kept the peace. She <laughs> really did. Everything was, you know, and I think the other gods did as well. The gods yeah. that we, the gods Frigga, that we, Frigga, yeah, yeah. and yeah. the Brigid, yeah. and yeah. they, and Lou, I think they, you know, they came together and they said, okay, this is what we're doing. Right. No, and Loki was in, was invoked. Right. I invited Loki because of course I did. And I think someone else also of, hailed of Loki. Yep. It was, a, it was a beautiful ritual. It was very, I felt like it was very well received. Mm-hmm. Everyone seemed to Yeah. So enjoy there it. were, there were a yeah. lot of gods there. We didn't have any trouble. No, no trouble at not all. Not at all. Yep. No yeah. trouble at all. So I think as long as you do it respectfully, mindfully, mm-hmm. and establishing what the boundaries are, yeah. uh, you should it, be okay. And it doesn't hurt. Like for as you said in this in this instance, Hagati was kind right. of the she was the okay. I'm the referee. Right. It's useful. <laughs> yeah. It's useful uh, if you have a if you have a relationship with a deity who has that kind of social cachet. We all <laughs> get along in this space for the next this, half hour. For the next forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mother Multiverse said earlier, respect. That's yep. the watchword. Yes. yes. And that's respect, not just of the different pantheons, but of the different people who yes. are mm-hmm. involved in performing the ritual mm-hmm. and the people who are participating and yep. attending the ritual. And we made a, we, it may have even gone a little long, but we, before we even brought people into for a ritual yeah. cleansing, yeah. before they even entered the room. Yeah. We had a whole, we um, had a whole, this is what to expect. This is what's happening. Yeah. This is what's happening. This is what to expect. So that no one, was confused exactly. right, on entry right. because I have been to too many rituals where I don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I think that's important too, especially in a syncretic ritual where yeah, you where multiple you... deities being honored, multiple paths being right. Yeah, and we actually honored. told everybody that ahead of time. Yeah, uh, and especially you're right, especially with syncretic rituals because like if you have gone to a lot of ADF rituals, mm-hmm. right, you'll recognize some of this. Mm-hmm. But not all of it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Some of it will not be familiar to you. Right. So if you go in expecting an ADF ritual, that's going to be very confusing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So because there were elements of Hakati and witchcraft, mm-hmm. there was elements of heathenry, heathenry and, 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 you know, there was the ADF, the ADF portion. And, I mean, yep, you know, yeah. and there was green witchcraft elements yep. in there as well. So you just have to be the upfront and yep. open so that they know what to expect. Yep. yep. Okay. Is that it? That's that's everything I plan to talk about. Yeah, does anybody in the Discord have a final any, question any or anything? How do witches buy their herbs? Uh, the same way other people buy their herbs. Basically, <laughs> is this a joke. I'm confused. Yeah. No, I um, they buy them in bulk. It is a joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, they buy them in bulk. I got it. I got it. <laughs> oh That's my goodness! You totally got me on that one. That was good. That's that was good, rabbit. Good. <laughs> oh, that's staying in. How do witches buy their herbs? That one's staying in. In bulk. They Very buy nice. them in bulk. That's good shit. That's good. I'm going to have to remember that one. Well done indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us for this week. <laughs> on that note. Yes, we'll, we'll wrap on that. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, if you want to know where you can find us, you can go to three. Pagansandacat.com or Google us. Because you can find us pretty much anywhere yep. on Google. Mm-hmm. Please come visit us on Patheos Pagans, three Pagans and a Cat blog. Uh-huh. Yep. 
we try to um, get something up there at least two or three times a week. Yep. And as of the date that this episode goes live, I will have a blog post the next day. That's right. Pay That's right. Once a month. The, the yeah, first Tuesday of first the month. First Tuesday of the month is my responsibility to blog. That's right. And then I do, I try to get something out at least Monday and Wednesday and then Friday, although that may be slowing down a little bit. Right. Because I'm, I'm working on another project. Yep. A couple yep. of projects. Yep. Yeah. We got but, stuff in the hopper. Yep. All right, that's it for us. Thank you guys very much. You know we love you. No, don't do it. Don't do it! You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.